Hey, patrons of Scoots, I want to say thanks. Uh, and uh, Scoots and you are in cahoots bringing everybody else a podcast. Thanks so much for supporting the show. I wish I had uh, something more witty to, to share share with you. Uh, uh, but uh, let's see, it's like uh, after work on a uh, Thursday night, uh, six, uh, late 6, uh, 10, to, 10 to 7 p.m., firing up a recording now. And couldn't do it without you, so thanks. Uh, thanks for being the wind at my back, or for real. Uh, Saskalula, Saskalula to you. It's funny because I've been recording these and they haven't come out yet, so I don't know if anybody's Saskalula or why I even brought that. Like, I think I meant Saskalula. Anyway, Saskalula, I'll talk to you. To, to, to you back at school, you. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. Uh, I'm going to try to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, you know, stuff like uh, physical sensations, emotions, whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to distract you or take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use creaky dulcet, lulling creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, like overindulgence, uh, long-winded descriptions, uh, friendly banter, a lot of things uh, like... uh, if you're new here, here's the kind of structure of the show, and a few heads up. And uh, so, the first five minutes of the show, if you've been listening for a long time, uh, it's kind of critical to listen to because uh, that's how we pay our bills and keep the podcast going. If you're new here, it's just kind of the business part and the people that help out on the show. Uh, then there's an intro. Usually intros are like 12 to 14 minutes. Uh, tonight I'm going to try to make it a shorter intro just to, um, uh, just cause I just recorded the whole episode and it was pretty long. Uh, so I said, well, geez, let me try to keep this around an hour. Uh, then after this, uh, like I'll talk about Star Trek. I'm going to talk about the episode Imaginary Friend. And so maybe this won't be a short intro. Like, uh. But if you're new here, like, I guess, like, some listeners say, bore friend. And I guess, like, I'm, like, a, like your friend on the edge of the imaginary or something. Because uh, the whole idea of the podcast is you don't really, like, like the idea is that I engage you just enough uh, so that your mind's, like, uh, like, you're not thinking about whatever's keeping you awake. Whether it's, uh, you know, any of the things that could keep you up at night. You know, instead of focusing on that, just focus on what I'm talking about. Pretty good episode of Star Trek. Uh, lots to talk about. And imaginary friends are always a rich thing to talk about. But uh, also you say, well, Scoot's kind of, he talked about a 48-minute episode of Star Trek for 55 minutes. I say, yeah, well, uh, yeah so you have, uh, you probably say, well, I don't know if I need to listen. Because uh, obviously he's not just covering the interesting parts, he's covering everything. So it's a podcast that you only kind of barely have to listen to. You can only barely listen to. There's no half is in there, except like when it's extra half to like that one I just almost took out. But you shouldn't feel any pressure to fall asleep. These episodes are about an hour. 
and I'll be here the whole time. We come out three times a week, Tuesday, uh, Thursday, and Sunday. And we have a huge archive. Uh, so there's plenty of stuff. Uh, the whole idea is the podcast keeps you company. And I guess that kind of is like an imaginary friend. I did have an imaginary friend growing up. His name was Bill. And I have a whole episode where I kind of talk about imaginary friends. But, uh, I mean, for me, the imaginary, uh, the whole aspect of an imaginary friend is, uh, it's strangely and paradoxically, much like this podcast, the opposite of loneliness. Uh, like, uh, even when you're with your imaginary friend, uh, I don't know, like, and I guess you'd say, well, is it a cure or a symptom of loneliness? I'd say probably neither. That's why it's kind of a paradox, uh, because your imaginary friend kind of, I don't know, it is this weird kind of sense of insight when you're looking back at it as an adult. I guess as a parent, maybe grappling with it, like it's maybe a different thing. And, and you know, if you didn't have an imaginary friend, maybe you had something else, uh, but I don't know, all my memories when I look back, they're kind of vague. And I look back at my friend Bill and, you know, asking my mom to move over. You know, please don't sit, Bill sit next to me, mom. Or, hey, what could you make an extra bowl of soup for Bill? Or, you know, Bill likes to go to bed at 9 o'clock, not at 7 o'clock or whatever. You know, uh, I don't know. I wonder how, you know, it happens with uh, the way our brains develop and stuff like that. But it's something uh, that made me feel safe. It, I can only speak for myself. Uh, that brought me security. And even though it made me feel less alone, I mean, that's a fact, uh, however you want to analyze it. And that's kind of the job of this podcast. Again, it's just a podcast. It's coming through your earbuds, and you're not even in a position where you really need to listen to it that much. But I do work very hard on this show. And one of the things, like, is because I want you to feel less alone, uh, if I can, if that's something you're feeling, uh, like your companion in the deep, dark night. Because uh, it's just, I guess, and the reason I want that is because for me it was, uh, like, not the best feeling. I don't know why I never called my imaginary friend when I couldn't sleep. I guess that's the thing, like... uh Probably because we would have stayed up talking and got our flashlight out and read some comic books or something. But, uh, you know, when when I was a kid, I had a lot of trouble sleeping. Maybe the same time I had an imaginary friend, and I guess I never made that connection for it. Geez, so we could have used it. Bill, where the heck? Bill's out on the town, I guess. Uh, but, I, like, uh, when you when you can't sleep, and especially when you're tired, and then you've got, like, a rigmarole going on keeping you awake anyway— and you have maybe, for me, I have like a lot of critical messages or whatever that I might be telling myself. Uh, you can, even if you're not actually lonely and isolated, it can feel that way in those moments. And I guess that's the, the spirit of this podcast is that spirit I had with Bill. Where it's like, geez, like, uh, I don't want you to feel alone. I want to be here for you, your boyfriend. Uh, this is like, uh, a digital friend of yours that comes in and rambles, uh, keeps you company. And a lot of times this question comes up. Anytime I do a podcasting interview or talk about the podcast with other podcasters, uh, like anyone that's a non-listener, listeners, I think, get it. But like they say, geez, you work so hard. Like how many hours does it take you to make one episode? I say, well, an hour episode 
all twenty hours of work probably. Uh, they said, "Well, Jesus, but people don't even listen to the whole hour." And I said, "No, there there are some listeners that do listen to the very end, and and make it all the way to the end for them. But also, like, a, there's like a reassurance factor in there that the podcast is an hour. So I'm here to keep you company, whether you fall asleep or not." I don't know because that's what like uh, that's what I, I want this thing to, to be special. I mean, I've been making it for five hundred something episodes, and that's part of what what what, the, what makes it feel special to me is that it's here and it's kind of complete, uh, not put together right. You might say it's complete, but maybe I didn't follow all the instructions. But yeah, I always get that. Like, how come? Like, what's it like making a podcast and you work on it, but people only hear like the first twenty minutes or something? And I, I kind of like, uh, I guess that's a paradox too. I guess one of the few paradoxes I actually understand, or maybe kind of get. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if they fall asleep because it's there for them. I mean, the the, the metaphor I sometimes try to draw, which is usually a misparaphrased metaphor, is like, didn't like Walt Disney. And like the pirates of the Caribbean, like say, uh, well, you got to put the pupils on those pirates' eyes, and like whoever said, well, you, they can't see, no, the people in the boat can't see their pupils from this distance. And Walt Disney kind of either said, well, either you, you don't get it or it doesn't matter. Like uh, they can see it. Trust me, they might not be able to see it with their eyes. And that's what this podcast is like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. I think if you get what I'm saying, you do get what I'm saying. And that's why when I, when I make the show, I always say it's an honor because uh, it really is uh, to be your companion, uh, to, to, be, to try to help escort you across the threshold from wake to sleep, to attempt to do that, uh, to attempt to create a safe place, a welcoming place uh, where everybody's welcome. And it doesn't work for everybody. Like, it's a bad guess to put you to sleep. Uh, and if you're new, you might say, well, geez, these are creaky dulcet tones. This dude, what's up with it? And I'd say, yeah, give it a few tries. I, I wish it worked for everybody, uh, but it doesn't. But I hope it helps you. And I appreciate your time. And as I say at the start of every podcast episode, like, uh, I'm glad you're here. Not only do I hope, I strive, I yearn, and I work very hard. Uh, so I hope I can put you to sleep tonight. Thanks for coming by. All right, so hey, everybody, we're talking about episode 22, season 5, Imaginary Friend. And you know what? This was an interesting one for me, like uh, watching it many times. Because at first, on, uh, the first two watches... Maybe it was only, yeah, maybe, or maybe it was the first watch. I said, whoa, this is not a strong episode. It was a joyous episode to watch because uh, I think the, the first time I watched it, I watched it with my daughter. And she was crack, like, there's just some like, crack up scenes. So if you get a chance to watch this episode with your kid, uh, do it. And some great acting, some great child acting. So really a good episode, but it, like uh, that was after the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. It's running now in the background. Uh, but yeah, after like the second or third time, maybe it was the third time I said, actually, holy cow, like uh, this episode's better than I thought it was. I, could, I thought it was a dud. I'll be like I said, what a dud. Uh, 
And he said, well, well like, uh, I guess you got to have some duds, but I, I don't think that anymore. I mean, it's not the strongest episode ever, but uh, maybe we should move on. Okay, just lost. Everybody said, well, that was my favorite episode. Thanks. I didn't say it was the worst, okay? Uh, but it opens with uh, Counselor Troy uh, and a young girl named Clara. And they're talking about their favorite foods. Uh, all healthy. They seem like yogurt and raisin salad, chocolate chip pancakes. And uh, they said purple omelets. That was one of the other things. That's one of Clara's specialties. She puts grape juice in there to make them purple. But I, I, I don't know, like, I guess I already have found an issue with this. Like, do you tell this to the uh, inverter or whatever the heck it's called, the uh, replicator? But the whole time, so Troy and this young girl are talking, the whole time there's a man sitting in the background in the next room at, like, his desk. Uh, and he's like, one hand, let me get to my notes. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, purple omelets. Uh, oh, yeah, he's typing on some a netbook. Uh, four, he was doing four-finger typing, the dad, on a netbook. Now, I don't know if anybody, like, like uh, what is that, 2000? says so all the way back to 2007, maybe, that netbooks were a thing. And so maybe not everybody knows what it. Now there's, like, Chromebooks. But these were, uh, I don't know, they used some sort of windows, lightweight windows on there. And they were for basically like watching video, like watching, you know, just basic internet tasks. Now I bought one. I bought a Dell 10 uh, because you could install, uh, I don't know if you could get Leopard on there. I think you could. And and so I it like uh, I made it to a little mini Macintosh and it worked great till I accidentally like I had a couple of drinks and I tried upgrading it when I had a couple of drinks and that was like a. I don't think, maybe I didn't, uh, but yeah, like, uh, so he looks like, it, and, I, and I said, four finger typing in the future, huh? But he's also pretending to, uh, look, Isabella has sugar in her tea. So they're having tea. I said, really, you're going to give her sugar in her tea. I don't know. I don't know about that, Counselor Troy, but you know, I, what do I know is what she probably would say. <laughs> she'd probably say more than that. But yeah, the dad's outside of, uh. Who focus listening in at 33 seconds. If you really want to watch this, the dad has some sort of twitch, or if I couldn't tell if it was a twitch or a secret message for Troy, uh, but he has this weird, weird movement. Uh, like I said, you couldn't tell if he said, Okay, session's over, Troy, or if he was just a uh, uh, thing. And then uh, he says, uh, Honey, he has a weird way of saying Keiko, or maybe I have a weird way of his hearing and saying Keiko. But Clara's got to get to work helping out at the uh, Arboretum with Keiko. But that's the way he said it. Uh, so he kind of interrupts their, uh, and I said, is this a professional visit or like a preliminary visit? See, I got that out. Also, Isabel was in all forest green. She had green tights, a green dress, green shoes on, like, a, like an, elven, an elven outfit. She wasn't a very elvish child. I guess you could probably say that about any child, but she wasn't super elvish other than her outfits. I mean, the Vulcans, I guess only their ears are elvish. I don't know how logical are elves. Uh, they, elves live by the heart and nature, right? Okay, let's stay away from elves' stereotypes, Scoots. First off, not all elves wear green. 
Oh, really? Name one elf that doesn't just wear green. Okay, how about we just do a podcast? Okay, yeah. So the oh also the like uh, again I don't want to throw on criticisms but this this show usually where it looks really good in three uh, like uh, HD and I don't know anything about shooting TV shows or you know like uh, but I do feel like the focus on Troy was softer than the one on the dad or my eyes are like I need to start need to look into glasses because Troy was out of focus and they went to the dad and he was too in focus. Uh, and so then, and then there's a shot. So the dad and Troy talk about Clara, um, uh, you know, having trouble making friends on the ship and her imaginary friend. Like the whole idea is that Clara has an imaginary friend named Isabella, who she talks to, and the dad's concerned about that. And then, you know, Troy's like, maybe she, you know, you just keep transferring to ship to ship. But maybe she needs some friends. And I said, maybe the dad needs a quick dude, like, messing up his job and, you know, getting transferred. But, you know, luckily, like I said, I, my all my applications to Starfleet have been, like, they 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 actually send them back in time through some sort of warp. Uh, right as I start writing, they say, don't buy, save the ink. And then they, they say, also, pro tip, we don't accept pictogram uh, applications. I said, no, that's my handwriting and there's another one said in only in English. Uh, and they said that was in English. Uh, jeepers. Uh, so let's see. Enough. I'm not joking. So then there's a shot of the Enterprise, a cool pink nebula. A D action. I don't know what that is. On deck. On deck. Uh, and the orange light ball. Uh, but yeah, they're like Jordy Riker and Picard and the dude are talking about the dad. I think are talking about, uh, this cloud they're going to study. Uh, it's formed around a neutron star according to the cap captain's log. So they're going to figure some stuff out about it. But this red, uh, uh, it looked like a Himalayan sea salt lamp. You know what that looks like? Like an orange light ball. It comes out, it just does a tour of the ship, this little round piece of orange uh, that looks like a small sea salt lamp. Uh, or, yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like to me. And, oh, 315, I, I liked this, this scene, like, uh, Jordy and Data are walking, and they're doing some tech talk. It could have been a podcast. They're talking lateral units. Uh, and whatever Jordy says, Data does this awesome, hmm, like, uh, let's see, what do they say? Lab data says something about the lateral sensors. Jordy says, well, we could get some hours with the thermal inframatarium or something. And at some point, I just liked how data said, hmm. Uh, like he was impressed and surprised at the same time and, like, unimpressed. Uh, like, that's what his hum said to me. He was surprised, impressed, and unimpressed. Oh, also, like, it reminded me of... Uh, uh, remember the Olympics, not the last ones, but the ones four years before that, uh, whatever year it is, 20, 2012, uh, the women's gymnastics team. Uh, there was this one gym, gymnast, uh, and she made a face that became a big meme. Even Obama, remember she was standing next to President Obama and they're both making the face like this unimpressed face. And you could do that, like, because she was unimpressed, I think. I think she was the Volter, which is weird because we had that episode recently with Vault Minor. She was a major Volter, I think. Uh, 
and uh, she was unimpressed. Data's hum said that, hmm, said the same thing as her face. Uh, then there's a great scene, three minutes and 30 seconds. Do yourself a favor, watch this. I put a holy gossip, Dr. Crusher. Not really uh, <laughs> gossip is so much she wants details. Uh, and she's with uh, Organic. I don't know what that says. Uh, Ogawa. Oh, my, my handwriting is bad. But her, Crusher and o- Ogawa are working, and they're talking about Ogawa's recent date or something. It's like mid-discussion. Crusher's like, well, what happened after dinner? And she said, we went to, she's giggling, Ogawa. And she says, well, we went to the holodeck and took a walk on the Champs-Salis or something. And then they're also working. So Crusher says, let's check the neural scanner. And then she says, and then what happened? And then also the Himalayan salt lamps touring. And Crusher's like, and what happened in Paris, huh? And Ogawa doesn't want to answer. She's like, she goes, uh, this is interesting because uh, Riker was just on Risa. That's where he picked up that game. She says, he wants me to go to Risa with him on shore leave. And Crusher goes, do it. No, do it for sure. And Ogawa goes, that's too uninhibited for me. Uh, I'm not really into that scene. Uh, and I said, holy cow, wh- wh- how can I book a ticket to Risa? I did it. I Googled that. And then... Uh, don't Google it, because uh, the tickets there are very expensive. Uh, and also, I don't need any other people going like uh, to you know mess up my game. I don't have a game, so I don't need anybody with game going. Also, I don't know what game is. So, but uh, so she says that's not really my scene. This and then Crusher goes, hmm, what about Tavana Minor or something? She goes, there's a Jorky River cruise. Iridescent currents are beautiful. And then uh, uh, Ogawa just cracks up. Like, uh, I just loved it. She goes, like, but she, Reese is wild. I put uh, Tavella Minor, Iridescent Currents, 420. That's when Ogawa, right at 420, believe that? And I put, uh, she cracks up. She's in L-O-V-E. First comes love, then comes uh, marriage, then comes Ogawa's date in the baby carriage. Uh, then we go to the Arbor- Arboretum. And a glowing light's still going. And a girl, uh, Clara's there. And then her, like, uh, um, she's planting. And she's planting with her imag- invisible imaginary friend. And uh, she's kind of like, uh, she goes into flow and makes a, oh, the, a flower. The, so the Simulean salt lamp goes into a flower, then makes a flower, image of a flower. And then it goes right into Claire's brain while she's talking to her imaginary friend planting, you know, just, uh, she actually was in flow state. Or I, hear, I hear people use that term. And I would say if you're talking to your imaginary friend planting flowers, that's flow state, it, like in a good way. She's just totally like, like enjoying life. Uh, may, might not, you might say it's not real life. I'd say, well, get a life then. So then uh, tw- there's a little twinkle, twinkle harmony and all of a sudden, uh, Calera's like, uh, here's something. I think maybe the twinkle, tw- oh no, she's singing twinkle, twinkle. Yeah, that's what it is. She goes twinkle, twinkle. And then someone else is singing and she goes, somebody there? Hello. And then, uh, this gr- other girl appears, this blonde girl. And to say she has dead eyes in this case would be an understatement.
Like, this girl, like, I rarely hear, I mean, my daughter laughs a lot. But like, like, like she had this laugh, like, uh, she, she, we couldn't believe it. We we're cracking up. Like, uh, it's just, just such a, it's really good acting and it fits the character so well. Uh, she also has like, she doesn't move her arms a lot. Remember those of you that watch Game of Thrones will remember the two, uh, seasons we had at the House of Black and White in, um, Bravos. I think that's where that is. And we, like, uh, the girl that looked a little bit um, like Lena Dunham, I said, well, she looks a little bit like Lena Dunham. And she didn't, like, not that Lena Dunham doesn't, I don't know any, Lena Dunham must move her arms, but this character didn't move her arms a little bit, very much, in in, uh, Game of Thrones. She just kept her arms, her arms were very static. And this girl, talk about reaching scoots, but this girl on uh, the Enterprise, her, like, uh, this imaginary friend come to life, I guess. She doesn't do a lot of arm movement either, barely, like, uh, dead eyes and low arm movement. And she goes, hello, Clara, like, uh, like, like, like when she said that, like, you know, when kids, like, uh, double over with laughter, I think that's what they call it, like, uh. Like, like, it's delightful. This is, a, like, I guess, like, I'll remember this episode for the rest of my life. And uh, then there's the opening. Then we go back, right back. And then Claire's talking to her friend. Uh, emotional, strange, like, uh, she almost could be a podcaster, but she's just a little bit uh, too weird. I mean, I know I'm weird, but she's, like, too weird, you know. Uh, so they're talking. Uh, Claire, like, uh. And she's like, uh, let's see, I'll get into more details later. But she takes Claire by the hand and she says, let's go do something fun or something. And Claire says, well, we got to finish planting. She goes, I'm tired of planting. You tell this girl is up to no good uh, because she was just a Himalayan salt crystal like five minutes earlier. And Claire says, I promised Keiko I'd plant these plants. She goes, don't worry about it. Let's go. And she goes, well, shouldn't I ask my dad? And she goes, you, your dad won't worry. We'll tell him later. Come on. So she's pressure, peer pressure, I guess. Or not, she's not Claire's peer, though, technically. She's posing as a po- po- peer, posing peer pressure. Oh, also, there's so many jokes in this. Data crushes a couple jokes so good. So they, but Claire takes this new girl who's never been in the uh, arboretum before by by the hand, and they leave. They walk right past an adult who I gotta assume. I mean, maybe they have Find Your Kid activated on the ship, but uh, they uh, she just, they just walk right by the only adult in charge, which I said, what the heck? Yeah. And then uh, we go to engineering, and there's this uh, Jordy uh, Claire's dad. Never caught his name, uh, like Instant Sutter or something. Uh, but they're talking with Data about what are they going to name the nebula? Because Jordy's like, FGC 47, I don't like it. And Sutter says, what about Sutter's Cloud? And Data's like dropping facts. And Jordy goes, well, that's a little long. Uh, he goes, what about the LaForge Nebula, which is technically longer, Jordy? He goes, but it's funny. He goes, it has a majestic sound. And Data says, given the selections, I prefer FGC-47. 
It was just so good. Then there's a little quake on the ship, and Jordy's like, did we hit something? And Data checks. He goes, no. He goes, uh, feels like it, though. And then we go to the bridge, and they're like, the ship's uh, short, slowing down, velocity's down, but systems are normal. Very strange. And then Jordy, back, uh, he's giving all these orders, and then he almost trips over Clara, who's shown up in engineering, which brings up like a lot of questions, behind-the-scenes child care on the Enterprise questions, because uh, they're trying to fix this. And then Jordy's like, what the heck? And then Clara's dad's like, this is the worst time, honey. What are you doing down here? And he asks, you know, he's like, you got to go home. Why are you down here? And he says, Clara, now, now, then Clara's alone for a second. Then Isabella just appears, not like a, an interesting way. She doesn't fit, like, a, you'd have to see it, like, a, almost like she fills the air from top to bottom. Like, she kind of stripes in, I don't know what else to call it. A, also, she had, like, a shark jumper on, like, it had little uh, triangles, like, a, I don't know why I called it a shark. I don't know what a jumper is. Uh, I mean, I've heard it, the term used before, but I would say it's a jumper. I don't know if it actually is. It could just be a dress, uh, but it's blue. And uh, she goes, uh, wait here, and then she vanishes again. Uh, then we see Data working on stuff. Then everything resolves itself. He goes, huh, okay. And I said, is this all related to Isabella, like, this part? I didn't, I never quite made the connection, even after the last step. Like, uh, I think I watched this thing, like, four or five times. But as soon as the ship starts working right, Isabella appears back with Clara. Clara's like, where did you go? And uh, there was smooth. I had to, oh, there was something I had to do. And then she takes Clara's hand, uh, like, uh, and then they walk off, uh, which is very, this is like all very evocative, the way they're using Isabella, you know, like to kind of fill in like uh, that we can fill in the emotion. We, we've all known children like this uh, or experienced by being led astray uh, by these like children that have this like strange, uh, almost like a guru like grip, I'd say. And, I mean, she's kind of manipulating Clara, Clara, like, because they're, like, uh, she's her imaginary friend come to, like, to life. Uh, uh, then there's an ad break. Then Picard, Riker, Geordi, and Data are looking out the window at the nebula. And they're like, geez, this thing is unique. Uh, like, what, like, first they're like, what are we going to do? And they said, well, we don't know. It corrected itself. We've got to. And Picard's like, should we stick around? I mean, no one's recorded a, a phenomenon like this. And Riker's like, could be trouble. And yeah, Data says, I can't estimate the risks. And Jordy says, I'd like to collect some samples at least. And Picard says, all right, agreed. Like, proceed with caution, but get your samples. And then uh, this scene makes sense now after seeing it a few times. But uh, they're walking in the halls, Clara and Isabella. And they stop at the cargo bay, and Isabella says, we can't go in there, because Isabella says, okay. Clara says, we can't go in there. And then Isabella says, let's go someplace with a lot of people. And then Clara says, Isabella, why, this was a good scene, too. She says, why are you so serious lately? And Isabella goes, what do you mean? And she goes, you haven't even smiled once today. 
And then Isabel does this thing where she tries to force her face into a smile. It's at 12.22. And it's just like so uh, uh, bizarre. Uh, uh, then they go running. Uh, she says, oh, she tries to smile. And then they, she said, this is precocious, actually. She goes, uh, you're my best, Clara says, you're my best friend, Isabel. She goes, why? And then Clara says, I don't know, because we're friends and we share secrets. And uh, Isabel says, does everybody have a best friend? And Clara says, yeah, if they're lucky. But I didn't have one before you. And she says, why not? And she says, it's a long, it takes a while to make a friend. And my dad always moves around. She goes, how long? And Clara says, well, just uh it's faster with imaginary friends. Uh, and Isabel says, Claire, I'm glad we're imaginary friends. And then they say, Claire says, let's race. And then they start running. And then they run right into Worf, uh, uh, which, you know, is always funny. War, like, Claire is, like, totally stunned when she's looking up at Worf. Uh, and says, uh, he says, there's no children allowed around here. He goes, what are you doing? Are you lost? Uh and Clara, Clara says, we're only playing. Uh, sorry about that. And Worf goes, return to your quarters, uh, something. And then uh, Clara says, thank you. And she laughs with relief that, you know, they're not in trouble. Oh, because Worf says, I won't, I'll forget all about this. And then Clara says, thank you. Laughs with relief. Uh, and then she says, come on. Uh, and Worf makes this huh sound. Uh, huh. They put uh and then as soon as Worf walks away, you, the girls sneak back. Uh, then we go back to engineering. Jordy and the dad are talking about parenting. And he says, geez, don't worry. Claire's dad says, it weren't both your parents in Starfleet? And Jordy goes, oh, yeah. He goes, uh, you know, my father was an exozoologist. My mother, office, a commander, a command officer. And Sutter goes, that must have been tough. And Jordy has this, like, awkward laugh. Uh, we're very telling laugh, actually. 1430. He goes, that's putting it mildly. He says, yeah, my parents were always on the move, you know, sometimes together, sometimes not. But, uh, you know, sometimes I'd be with my dad studying invertebrates and sometimes I'd be out on the neutral zone with my mom. And Sutter said, was that tough? He goes, no, no, it's an adventure. He goes, it wasn't the ideal childhood, but, uh, he goes, children are stronger than you think. As long as, again, this message comes up a lot, uh, as long as they know you love them, they can handle anything about life. Like a very uh, uh, basic parenting advice in a good way. They can handle anything. And Sutter says, thanks, Commander. Uh, then we have another great jo- Data joke. Guinan and Data are looking at the clouds of the nebula. And Guinan's like, well, that's a coral fish, a Samarian coral fish with its fin out. Uh, and Data goes, that's the fluid dynamic process. Uh, with rarefied gas. Uh, and then Guinan goes, no, it changed from a fish into a Mentonian sailing ship. And Data goes, where? It's uh, really teasing this shit one out. Uh, Guinan says, right there, those swirls. Uh, and Data goes, I don't see it. He goes, he goes, are you sure you're not projecting meaning onto random images? Uh, he goes, sometimes I notice that, and it's because people are thinking about certain things. He pauses and he goes, besides, it's clearly a bunny rabbit. And again, like when Data's really funny, he like kind of lifts his chin up. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, 
uh, sometimes I don't I don't observe him enough to know when he's lifting his chin, but uh, and then Claire walks in, so Guinan goes over to help Claire. She goes, hey, she's what are you doing? And Claire says, oh, I wanted to see, to show my imaginary friend uh, ten forward, and Guinan says, well, this is adults only. We have hand except for Data's kid uh, who worked here. Uh, and Wesley, I guess those two were in Starfleet, but, uh, she goes, you could be my guest, so. And she goes, do you want a papaya juice? A papaya, papaya, she says it's different, so maybe it's different with bubbles. And she, she says, two, one for, and she goes, no, no, my friend doesn't drink, uh, just one. And Claire goes, geez, you're way cooler than the other adults, uh, they don't believe in Isabella. And Guyana says, well, some people can't believe in things they can't see. They're preoccupied, you know, with uh, work and stuff. They don't know how important imaginary friends are, like us kids. Uh, And Claire says, well, how do you get it? And Claire says, or Guyana says, well, I had an imaginary friend. And this was cool, too, because Claire goes, well, what was her name? And she goes, it wasn't a girl. And she goes, it was a boy? And, and Guinan goes, no, no, no. It was a Tarkasian razor buddy with uh, brown fur, gold eyes, huge wings, and it was really fast, so fast no one could see it but me. And a great smile, and I would curl up on his furry belly, and he had the softest purr you ever heard. Uh, put me to sleep every night. Best friend I could ever have. Uh, and Clara says, so is Isabella. And I don't know if Troy got an alarm or a page, but she shows up. She's like, hey, Clara. Uh, and Clara goes, hi. And she guy goes, oh, we were just all having a conversation uh, with Isabella. And Troy goes, why don't you, Isabella, you and Isabella take a walk with me? And Clara goes, I guess. Uh, and Guyan says, bye. Bye, Isabella. Bye, Clara. And let's see. No drink. Clara didn't drink any of her drink. Uh Troy takes her hand, and I like to that. Uh, let's see. Really, I put really, really masterful uh, scene. I really like it when Guinan drops life lessons. Also, the drink was served in a, like a fishbowl-like glass. So they're, then they're in the hall. They're talking about Isabella. They get on the razor, uh, like uh, elevator, deck 32, and Troy's like, this imaginary friend keeps getting you in trouble. You know, I'm a, like a, also a shrink, so this is probably a, not a bad, greatest sign. She doesn't say all this, but but she says, geez, who's making these poor decisions? And Claire says, uh, Isabella. And she goes, well, maybe I should talk to her because you're going to get the consequences. And she talks to like this blank space. She goes, Isabella, please don't get Claire in trouble. Uh... Uh, somebody shrugged, maybe to, maybe Isabella. Yeah, we want to talk to Isabella, then Clara shrugs, and then Clara says, Dude, you're talking to the wrong spots. Uh, so then Troy does it again, and then she goes, what did Isabella say? And uh, Clara goes, Isabella said she didn't really like you or, uh, you know, get off my back. That's what she said. And Clara kind of looks, well, for, yeah, and then Clara, like, looks away. There's dramatic music. Then Troy and the dad go for a walk, and Troy's like, okay, uh, you know, now it's concern stage because uh, uh, she's doing, you know, she's deflecting and, and blaming and stuff. Uh, and he goes, yeah, she showed up at work, so she's messing up my work too. 
and Troy goes, well, I think this is just like a, just like a little stage. Uh, maybe we got to get her some friends. She goes, what about the children's center? There's a ceramics class I could take Clara. And she says, okay, let's do that. Uh, and she goes, by the way, since you're her dad, uh, maybe you could spend some time with her. So she, maybe she needs somebody to talk to. He goes, hmm, uh, interesting. Because I'm trying to get a nebula named after me, but, but uh, I'll work on it. And uh, ceramics class, uh, I said, oh, color me mine. Uh, then we get a scene where Claire and Isabel are sitting in there's Claire's room. They're sitting apart. Uh, Isabel is holding a teddy bear, and Claire is kind of like working on her like a red puzzle like uh, made out of blocks. Uh, and Isabel says, geez, are you mad? I didn't mean to get you in trouble. And Claire goes, it's okay. Isabel says, are we still best friends? She goes, yeah, come help me work on this puzzle. And then this ends up being important. Isabel says, Clara, what's what's up with grown-ups? Uh, so bossy. And Clara says, well, they're, they're, you know, they're serious. Uh, and Isabel says, well, I wish they would go away. And then she says, I'm bored. Let's go to engineering again. And Clara goes, we can't. Uh, and Isabel says, well, I thought we were best friends. Uh and Claire says, we are. And she says, why don't we do something fun? And Claire goes, we can't. Uh, and then Isabel says, you're always listening to the grown-ups. You don't care about me. And Claire says, that isn't true, which is very assertive. I like that. And then she tries. She goes, oh, well, if we were going to, you know, I only appeared to you because I thought we'd have fun together. Uh, let's go to engineering just for a little while. No one will know. It's our seat, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh and then Troy rings the doorbell, and she goes, hey, let's go to Color Me Mine. And Clara says, can Isabella come? She goes, no, no, maybe later, maybe next time. Oh, Color Me Mine, if you don't have kids, is like a place where you take kids. I think they have it with adults, too. And then you, like, uh, you paint something, and then they put it in the, like, and then they glaze it for you. I try to avoid it at all costs. Uh, though I have like a nice um, Ariel, Little Mermaid for my daughter from there. Uh, so I liked the exposition there. Bore, like, I really think it was great uh, acting. Uh, Isabel has highly dilated pupils, so much so it was almost hypnotic uh, in the way her the tone of her voice. And she's very suggestive of the way she's kind of trying to get Claire to do what she wants. Uh, but I also wondered how did they get her pupils so dilated. Uh, yeah, and then she's saved by the doorbell. And uh, like uh, after they leave to go to ceramics, Isabella reappears, and there's like a slow pull in with uh, dramatic music, and her eyes turn red. Uh, then we see the Enterprise against the nebula, and the ship shakes again. And they say, okay, we're still getting in trouble here. The deeper we get into the nebula, and they say, well, what should we do? And they say, well, we don't know. It's, it should be fine. Uh, ship's shaking, but we're okay. And then they say, like, uh, they're trying to figure out how to keep the speed up. Uh, and Picard says, Tell, call LaForge. Riker, go down and see LaForge and figure this out. And let's see. Then they go down there. Um, and Jordy, the dad, and Riker are like, they. we could do a high-frequency warp field. These are plasma strands. And we'll get a resonant effect going with some drag coefficient. Uh, and they say, okay, let's try that out. Uh, Riker says, let's do it. 
I think that would make it appear like appear or visibly because right now it's not in the visible spectrum. Then we're in ceramics class, but I didn't know if it's ceramics or daycare because there was a bunch of kids in there doing different stuff. Uh, cool neon sculpture in there. And then Worf's kids there, Alexander Roshenko. Uh, and he's like making this like spiked cup for his father. All the kids are wearing space smocks, so they come over, they put a space smock on uh, Clara. I don't know if kids wear smocks anymore. I mean, I guess when you talk about the decline of the Western age or whatever, maybe it was like when we stopped wearing, putting smocks on our kids, or maybe it's just like, uh, I don't know. I remember having to wear a smock, though, and these smocks were pretty sweet. They had reflective, uh, they looked like they were tech fabrics, whatever that means. They look softer than soft, too. And Alexander's very particular about how he spikes his cups for his dad. And, I mean, I don't mean to, like, throw shade on Alexander, but uh, I don't know what he's, like, uh, like, uh, looked like he was putting too much time and not a lot of progress in this cup. And then we're on the bridge, and, like, they try that resonant thing so we can see the strands. It's a really great uh, lattice, uh, effect of these red, uh, 47 million strands, uh, uh, resemblance or something, resonant, I don't know, but, uh, it really looks cool, like, oh, resonant effect, uh, like, uh, it, uh, like, it just looked like three-dimensional in this cool way, and then they try to back out, uh, they're trying to get out of there, then we go to Troy's quarter. She orders a hot chocolate, and then she goes to like her like her computer. She says, "Let me see my schedule for next week." And uh, like uh, her hot chocolate gets just knocked over. I mean, by you know who, but she's invisible. This was interesting. Troy's uh, like closest towels all the way in the vanity outside her bathroom. And apparently she mixes her bath. Like, I guess, like, when you use a replicator for that, like, say, hey, give me a towel, you know, clean. Uh, I guess I don't understand the replicators, but, uh, I mean, you don't mix your bathroom towels with your, like, uh, your, like, in my opinion, I guess. Uh, but she has to go to her vanity, get a towel. She's confused. Then we go back to ceramics class and... Alexander is having a cool, he seems like a really cool, nice kid. And he's talking about tigers and uh, at the zoo with his dad and getting licked by a tiger. And then they're kind of working together. But as soon as Alexander gets up, uh, his cup gets knocked over. Again, it was clay, so I don't know what the drama was. But he says that he lost two weeks of work. And he thought Claire did it on purpose. So she says, no, I didn't do it on purpose. Uh it was my invisible friend. He goes, there is no invisible people. Uh, then he gets hit by a piece of clay from behind. And uh, so then Clara's like, uh, like she's like, Isabella, cut it out. And then she runs out. You know, she's been publicly uh, embarrassed, you know, because the whole class was watching, uh, watching us. And Alexander just seems like a really nice kid. So he must have been popular. No other kids were talking to him. And uh, then Clara goes to Arboretum. She's upset. And then there's like this, uh, I didn't write the time on this, but there's like a villain walk by Isabella. Like a slow walk into the Arboretum. And she goes, Clara, Clara, Clara. 
And she goes, why are you being such a jerk? Uh, And she just walks slowly up to her, real slow. And she goes, because you ran away and left me alone. I had to to, to do stuff on my own. Clara goes, I don't like this. And Isabella goes, I'm trying to take good care of you, Clara. She goes, that's why I'm here, is to take it like I like you. And But then her eyes turn red, and she goes, also, I'm, like, getting ready to bring some other uh, uh, Himalayan salt-based peoples aboard the ship. Uh, so that's going to be bad for everybody but, but me and you. Then we see the Enterprise in the middle of all the strands and the bridge, Data and Picard. Uh, the ship's still shaking again. And then Riker and Worf, they're all trying to fix it. You know, sensor sweeps the whole nine yards. And Data's like, can we war? Or Picard's like, Data, can we warp? He goes, no, no, no. That's, uh, and Jordy's like, no way. And they say, uh, okay, like, just steadily get us out of here. Um, then, uh, like, Jordy uh, and Riker turn around, steady as she goes. Okay, then we're in 10 forward, and Troy's picking at a piece of chocolate cake, uh, Gannon goes, what's up? You're not eating chocolate cake. Must be something going on. Or there's something wrong with the cake. And Troy goes, no, I'm just thinking. And, and Gannon says, imaginary friend. She goes, uh, I wonder if it's a good idea to wean a kid off of, uh, you know, an imaginary friend. Uh, like I'm taking away her imaginary friend, a part of her childhood. And Gannon goes, well, I don't know about that. I, I still have my imaginary friend, uh, you know, Tarkasian razor buddy. And she goes, you know, it used to, you know, make, give me reassurance. Uh, she goes in the a vision of the body of it faded away, but the idea stayed behind and I don't need to talk to him as often as I used to. And then Troy, the dad page is Troy. She, he's like, uh, you better get down here. And Guyana says, okay, or that's right. When Guyana says, you don't have to give up your magic friend. They say, get down here. Clara just, uh, you know, she's upset. And then there's, a, like, a long shot after Troy leaves of a thoughtful guy. And uh, then Dad and Clara are, is with Clara. Clara's holding, like, a Teletubby dinosaur, a turquoise Teletubby-like dinosaur. It has a star on its head. And I think that was before the Teletubbies, though. And uh, then Claire tries one more time saying, geez, I got an imaginary friend and she's trouble. Uh, and she said, there's other Himalayan salt beams coming here or something. And Troy goes, no, no, it's just in your imagination. And Claire goes, no, it's not. Uh, and Troy goes, okay, uh, it is. Uh, she goes, and then they start walking around their, their quarters and it kind of felt like this was a little bit uh, pandering. Troy's like, okay, let's go in here. Do you see her? Anybody? No. The girl shakes her head. Okay, let's look under your bed. Anything under your bed? No. Okay, let's look behind this chair. No. She goes, maybe she's just gone home, honey. Maybe she isn't here. Is she in the vanity? No, not there. She goes, maybe she knows your friends with Alexander Roshenko. And Claire goes, maybe she's in the closet. And she goes, okay. And then Troy goes, anybody in here? And no one's in there. But then she turns around and Claire is there. And she like, uh, she like, or Isabella's there. And she like, uh, she says, here's some salt. Uh, and then uh, Troy kind of uh, takes a nap. Uh, 
And then there's this shot of, like, a satisfied Isabella with red eyes or something. And they go to an ad. They put, oh, her face was flush and her stare was stone cold or glare. And then we go to Med Bay. Troy's lying down. Crusher, Picard, and Claire's dad are there. And Troy's kind of like, it was like an 11 or 12-year-old girl in a blue dress, uh, and then the dad says, Mr. Captain Picard, can I talk to you in private? Which was weird to me. But he said, Claire said there's other Himalayan salt-based like beings coming to the ship. Uh, so Picard like looks to the left and he kind of thinks and he calls Worf. Uh, he goes, there's some Himalayan salt-based aliens pretending to be 12-year-old girl on the ship. Have you seen any? And Worf goes, oh yeah, running around earlier. And he goes, okay, like, keep an eye out for her. Uh, and he goes, all right, I'm on it. Uh, and then Ogawa comes out with uh, Clara, and Clara demanded to speak to Picard. And then there's, like, this zoom-in on Picard. And Clara says, geez, if you want me to, I can help you because this is my best friend. Uh, I realize she, maybe she's a Himalayan salt-based being, but... Uh, and want to help. And Picard says, you know, don't worry about it. I got it. But if we need you, we'll call you. And then Picard gets called to the bridge. What does this say? Shack bridge. Uh, I don't know. Picard give, uh, puts things on red alerts. Oh, uh, I don't know what that says. Shale bridge. Uh, but all this Himalayan salts start coming and they start feeding on the Enterprise's, uh, shields, uh, and we get some H-E double hot, like, uh, Rikers, like they're feeding on our damn shields and, uh, like more coming and they're like, we got eight minutes. What should we do? Anybody have any ideas? And then at 30 minutes and nine minutes, uh, we go to the Arboretum. That woman that wasn't paying attention to children, she's still working at the Arboretum, like, uh, on the same project, maybe. And then Claire comes in with Picard and Worf and the dad. And Claire walks in. She's calling to Isabella, but Isabella doesn't answer. And then Picard comes in. And then Picard's like, uh, well, geez, you must be a poser. You weren't Claire's friend. You're only a poser. You know, you're just supposed to be kids' friends. So he tries that tactic. And, uh... And she appears. Oh, no, first, uh, Trey's butler accidentally is, uh, tries, uh, oh, then he tries butter. He goes, oh, yeah, so he goes from calling her poser, and then he tries butter. Says, I'm, clearly you're an intelligent being. Uh, yeah, she, then she doesn't appear, and he goes, oh, well, uh, I guess you were only bully when it was little kids. Uh, and then Claire says, come on, Isabel, this is weird. And uh, then Isabel appears, uh, and Picard goes, what's up? What are you? And she goes, well, I was here to determine if you guys are cool and see if you have pure energy. And Picard goes, like, the song? Is that why you're draining our shields? And she goes, oh, yeah, that's some good energy in there. And then Riker's like, dude, we're losing all our power. And Picard goes, well, we could share. We have other ways to share energy, uh, and she goes, well, you're jerks. And Picard goes, what do you mean we're jerks? And she goes, look at the way you treated Clara. And he goes, well, what do you mean? And she goes, you wouldn't let her do what she wanted to or go where she wanted to. I think that's like an a song from an advertisement. Uh, and then Picard brings it all together because uh, he says, uh, 
well, uh, he goes, you, don't you mean where you wanted her to go? And Isabel goes, who cares? And Ricard says, well, uh, he goes, he goes, those aren't places for kids where you were trying to take her. And Isabel goes, well, I was in charge. And Ricard goes, well, we don't know you. We didn't even know you were real. And she goes, well, I'm Claire's friend, uh, and you guys didn't want me to be friends with her. And Picard goes, oh, you're seeing this ship from a child's eyes, so it must seem unfair and restrictive. He goes, as adults, uh, we take care of kids, but we don't always think about how their impressions. Uh, he says, if you're judging us by the way we treat kids, he goes, that's a pretty good way, because he goes, we really care for them deeply. And he takes, you know, Picard doesn't like kids, but he takes Claire under his arm and he goes, we, we try to protect him. That's the way we, we do. And he goes, and then Clara, he goes, that's what rules do. They protect children. And Clara will do it when she has kids. And says, Clara says, come on. I saw we were friends. Uh, leave us alone with your salt-based beings. And maybe we could still be friends. And then Isabel just turns into a, a salt, uh, like whatever, what are those called? Salt lick or whatever they're called. A Himalayan salt lamp. And then it flies away. Then all the other... Uh, Salt lamps fly away that were outside the ship feeding on the shield, apparently. Oh, also, when she says, uh, hey, why don't we just be friends and leave us alone? When Clara says that, all of a sudden, like, the filters of the focus changed, and Isabel was much more natural. Like, uh, she had a natural glow to her. And then she smiles like a normal smile instead of the forced smile from the beginning, and then she turns into a salt lake and flies away or whatever, salt lamp. Uh, and then all the strands disappear. And then uh, Ricard, then we're on the bridge. Ricard's like, what's up, uh, number one? And Riker says, the strands are out. We could warp out here in 20 minutes. And Picard goes, making an hour. He goes, send some warp power to these uh, nebulins. And Jordy goes, aye, aye, sir. And Ricard had his legs crossed. He also, he did this... Uh, I don't know how many people, you, you, a lot of people know who Mick Jagger is, right? You know, even somebody said they had moves like Mick Jagger like three years ago, so I assume so. He does this like Mick Jagger lifts thing, lifts thing after he says, uh, you know, after, when Jordy says, I, sir, I'm pretty sure over to Riker. Uh, I mean, over to, yeah, Riker, Picard does, like a Mick Jagger lifts thing. I think, I didn't watch it, like I missed it, uh. So maybe I imagined it or it came in a dream, not like intentionally or ostentatiously, like a subconscious uh, thing. Then we're in Clara's room and it's like the last day of summer camp suddenly. And there's music to match, like mixed in with the uh, Next Generation theme. I mean, literally like a after school special, like uh, Isabel said, appears. She says, sorry about everything, Clara. And Clary goes, I, that's okay. And Isabella goes, well, I shouldn't have misled you. Uh, it wasn't really your Isabella. I was just like a construct of, you know, like when adults project meaning on clouds. And Clary goes, well, for a while you were, my friend. And uh, Isabella goes, well, I've never had a friend before. You know, and then they do a pinky swear and all, you know, they make friendship bracelets and also friendship uh pins and uh then they have to say goodbye claire says well i'm sorry i gotta go and isabella goes well, well do you think you're ever gonna come back and claire goes and 
yeah, of course, one day. And she goes, I hope so. So do I. And the episode ends with friendship. Uh, Good night.